We were born for this. I want to talk to you from Isaiah chapter 49. I, I, I read this passage last week to you, um, and this is a messianic uh, passage in Isaiah. When, it's, when we say messianic, it, it's actually saying it's talking about Jesus. So Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus at this point of time, and he says, Listen to me, all you distant lands. Pay attention, you who, ha- who are far away. The Lord called me before my birth, from within the womb, he called me by name. So this is Jesus talking to us through the prophet Isaiah. He's saying, I was called before, my mother, uh, before I was born. When I was in my mother's womb, God had his hand on me and was bringing me forth. Um, and we read in, the, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, these words. It says, then I said, look, I have come to do your will. This is Jesus speaking again. Look, I've come to do your will, O God as is written about me in the scriptures. And I, I want you to just to stop and think about this, how it was for Jesus when he was growing up. We know that he was on his mother's breast when he understood who he was because the Bible tells us that. In, in, in uh, Isaiah, it says that while he's still uh, eating uh, curds and whey on his, uh, on his mother's lap, that he, he discerned good and evil and chose good and not evil. And he knew who he was at a very early age. And by the time he was 12 years old and he was sitting in the temple, he was actually talking to uh, those and he'd been away from his family for three days because the family had gone and he just stayed, as kids do. You know, they get caught up with things. And um, when they eventually found him, they, he said, you know, shouldn't I be in my father's house doing what I should be doing? So he knew who he was and he knew it from a very early age. And then just imagine what it's like, you know, knowing who you are, what you've come to do, and then to pick up the Bible or pick up the scrolls, the ancient scrolls, the, the Old Testament was what he had, and then start to read it and see all about your life in the scrolls. Imagine that. You'd be reading about what's going to happen. Morning by morning, he wakens my ear to listen, it says in Psalm 50, the next chapter along. He wakens my ear to listen like one being taught. And that would have been happening to him. As he's looking at that, he's reading it. And, and, and Jesus is experiencing that morning by morning, he's waking and God's speaking to him and saying, you're going you're gonna to encounter this situation today. These are the words I want you to use. These are, this is what I want you to say. This is what I want you to do. And God speaks to him and leads him on. It's an amazing thing. Imagine if you had a sense of your destiny so strongly that when you picked up the Bible, you were reading about yourself, just like Jesus. Imagine if you were born to this. Imagine in your life if you believed that God had called you and you were so important to God that he would have written something in a book and you could open the pages of the book and you could read about your life in the book. Imagine. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, we're told that just as it was for Jesus, it's the same for us. We're told that in Scripture. This is what it says in, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. And I, I just set this as a, to, to let you understand that God has called us to be his children. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world did not know us because it did not know him. Beloved. Now we are the children of God, and it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We know that Jesus is working with us, that God is working in our lives, and that when he comes again, we're going to be just like Jesus. He's going to work that out in our lives. So just as Jesus is going to be able to read through the, through the ancient text and and see his life prophesied of and, and know what was coming he knew exactly everything that was going he said you know in one part he says um shouldn't i do this that the scripture should be prophesied that scripture should be fulfilled he he knew 
He had already read these things. Wouldn't it be lovely to have that sense of insight in your own life? To be able to go to the scripture and read the scripture and have it speak to your heart and say, this is what's going to happen in my life. This is where I'm going in my life. God is leading me. God is teaching me and directing me. It was, it was, he said, anybody, everybody in John 3 says, everybody who has this hope in him purifies himself. Now, this is the problem, I think. One of, the, one of the problems that we face in life is that we don't have that hope in us that we are the, the sons of God, that we are the daughters of God. And because we are sort of umming and ahhing about that, we let things come into our lives that are not the best for us. Whereas if we knew who we were, if we knew our identity in God, we would we'd, we'd say, look, get my head clean and straighten up. I want to live like the man of God I am. The man of God that God wants me to be. And because I get confused, when I get confused and the devil clouds my mind, that's when I start doing the things that are inappropriate. So, you know, the Bible says, if you have this hope in you, that you are the son and daughter of God, you purify yourself, you cleanse it. Keep all the stuff away. Man, I'm not going to get tripped up by that because, you know, I'm meant to be doing something. I'm meant to be doing something for God. I'm not going to let the situations around me trip me up. It was like that for Jeremiah. Jeremiah, an Old Testament prophet. I mean, if you read about Jeremiah's life, he wrote a couple of books. He wrote Jeremiah and he wrote Lamentations. And in those books, you just wouldn't want to be this guy called out by God. He just went through. I mean, he's the one they threw in a, in a, in a dirty well with, and he's standing up into his stomach with mud and, you know, they left him there to die. His life was, I mean, serve God and get blessed. He got the blessings, all right, the blessings of tribulation he got. It was horrible. But this is what God said to him. Listen, read these words. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, so that was at conception, while he's just a zygote, a couple of cells multiplying, at that point, God says, before I, I knew you, before you were born, I set you apart, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. That's what he told Jeremiah. And then in Jeremiah, just so that you get this idea that God didn't say to Jeremiah, these are the horrible things that you have to go through. Jeremiah prophesies, he says, for I know the thoughts I think toward you, and this is, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. So you have this positive aspect coming out of Jeremiah's life, which says, you know, God's thoughts toward us are for good, for peace, not for harm. Imagine that. Even though he went through some difficulties, even though he went through some harm, even though he went through pain, his disposition was that God's hand on his life, which was on his life from birth, while he was still in his mother's womb, he was fulfilling it and God was bringing it out in his life. What a wonderful thing to have that sense of destiny in your life. When we go through the Old Testament, we read about a girl called Esther. You all know about Esther? Well, Esther lived in a place called um, Susa. Or, and that was where the king of Babylon was. And remember his first wife, Vashti, refused to do a little dance for him. And so he excommunicated her and sent her away. And then they were looking for another queen. Now, he was a Babylonian king, and they were looking for another queen. And she was a young you know, girl, part of the harem that was being prepared to be queen for the king. She was of Jewish descent. Now, a wicked man called Haman decided that he wanted to kill all the Jews. And so he set up a plan by which he was going to turn the king's uh, attitude against the Jews, and they were going to exterminate all the Jews in the area. And Mordecai, which is Esther's uncle, said to her these words, 
For if you remain silent at this time, once the plan was you know, brought there and the king had sealed it and said, let's go and kill all the Jews then, she was a Jew, a Jewish girl. And now she was the king because the king liked her. And Mordecai says to her, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the, for the Jews from another place. He said, God is going to deliver the Jews either way. You can be involved in this or not. And then he said to her, you want to stop and think about it. Maybe you are where you are today for such a time as this. Now, we want to stop and think about it. Maybe you are where you are today for such a time as this. Like Esther was hand-groomed by God and selected by God to move into the realms of royalty, into the throne room of royalty, to be able to intercede for the Jewish people. Maybe you are where you are today because God ordained you to be there. He has a destiny for you and you were born for this day for such a time as this. Maybe. Maybe the devil doesn't want you to believe that. Maybe the devil wants you to stop going in that direction. Maybe he's trying to deceive you into saying that you're worthless and your knife is nothing. But maybe in the annals of God, in the, in the books of heaven, maybe, just maybe, your name is written there to do something really significant and God has ordained that you do that. If you remain silent, he'll use somebody else. But that will be your choice. Because he will use you if you recognize it. He will use you and, and open those doors for you if, you if you recognize it. If you don't, he'll have his way and he'll redeem his people. But you have a choice whether you want to be involved in that. You see, in Psalm 71, we have David and he's sort of talking. And we get this idea, God has a predetermined plan for us. He comes to you, he says, you are my hope, says David. O Lord God, you are my confidence from my youth. By you I have been sustained from my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually to you. So David says, you know, you had your hand on me and you brought me through birth and you established me because you have a plan for my life. Out of all of the things that were going on in our lives, we are all here today and we're all alive. We are breathing. We are here today and alive. God brought us from our birth right through and he sustained us. I remember talking to a guy years and years ago um, when we first started the church back in 1991 and we were in, this, in, in um, Brisbane. And uh, a friend of mine from down south, I pioneered a church down in, in Lawson. Uh, her and her husband um, were converted in the, in the fellowship. And her father was a worldly man, a, a, a roof tiler and a very wild, hard living man. At the age of 73, he got terminal cancer of the pancreas. And she rang me. I was up here and she rang me and said, can you go and visit George? George is my father. He's got terminal cancer. He's dying. They've opened him up. They can't. He's inoperable. They've just sewed him back up. They can't do anything for him. Uh, can you go and talk to him? So I decided, okay, I'll, I'll, I went down to Southport and visited this man. So I walked in and I saw George and he was, he was cut from here to here and it was all stapled together. So it was all very still like he'd just have an operation. And, and I said, uh, George, I said, do you want to know God? I mean, you're three days out. I didn't say that to him, but he's three days out from death. Do you want to know God? He says, of course I do. 
So that was the first little miracle. His heart had turned from being aggressive against God to being, you know, towards God. And I said, George, can I pray for your healing as well? We want to pray for healing because Jesus wants to heal him as well. So we prayed for George and we prayed for his salvation and we prayed for his healing. And they said he's sending him home. So they send him home to Mount Tambourine, which is that way. Okay, How many people drive up to Mount How long does it take you to go there? About an hour? Half an hour? 45 minutes? So I said, I'll come and visit you. You, know, you can remember I went and visited. Every Monday night I'd go to George's place and see George. And we'd just sit and talk. We'd talk. And he, one, the first thing he, he sat and said to me, he says, I don't know why I'm still alive. He says, I'm 73 years old. I was in the war, he says, and I used to fly the planes. He said, we had 20,000 young men, young men, flying those planes over the German lines. He says, and only, you know, a handful of people survived. He says, I was shot down, Mark. He said, the red tomatoes, and that's what they called the shells, came up and ripped through the plane I was flying. He said, this is my time. He says, I'm going to die now. And he says, I was trapped inside the cockpit. I couldn't get out. He says, and the plane was spinning around and around. And he says, the only thing that was in my mind was that I was about to die. He says, I didn't know God. My mother came to me and I, says, I could see my mother, you know, but that was, that was it. And then all of a sudden, I was out into the air, flying free, thrown from the plane. Now, this is he in the cockpit, flames over his face. He's getting burned alive. And, and then bang, he's out in the air spinning in the air. He pulled a chute and he came down the land behind enemy lines and he landed in a a brook where there was just fresh water running over his burnt body. He lay there for three days. He says, and three or two little boys, shepherd boys came through and they had goat's milk and they fed him goat's milk while he was laying in the river. Amazing, absolutely amazing. He says, I don't know to this day why I survived. Later on that evening when he was laying in the river, the French resistance came in and they took him away and took him back over the other, and he got out. The next night, or the next week I went down there, he says, I said to him, you know, you got out because Jesus wanted to save you. So he could see that you were going to be saved, so he saved you. He kept you alive. I thought that was amazing. I went the week, the week after and he said, do you believe in visions, Mark? I said, I believe in visions. He says, I was praying last night. And this is a sick man. He said, um, and uh, so he survived his first week. He was only given three days. He says, and I was laying there, had my eyes closed, and then someone brighter than ten suns walked through the door. I said, why, how do you know? She said, I could see his figure through my eyelids. And he said, he came to me. And he looked over me as I lay on my bed. He says, I was terrified. He said, and he, he sort of like he scanned everything in my head. Like he just went through my mind and my thoughts. And he went through, and I was frightened, scared, scared. And he says, and then he started to scan down my body like that. He says, and I felt this incredible peace and forgiveness and grace pour all over my life. He says, I think I'm healed. Now... I thought, well, that's a miracle, isn't it? I didn't want to say, well, you're healed now. I said, just keep on believing. 
You know, he was so passionate about God. He led his wife to the Lord. He led a number of other people to the Lord. The whole family got. And even now, he wrote a letter before he died. I just heard, found out because I just got in contact with Mick. He wrote a letter before he died, and they've got it in the frame on the, above the, the, a letter from their father, how he talks about the glory of Jesus. Uh, you're born for a time. You have a place in God. Something special to do. And he saw these people come to know. And one of Chris's sisters, I told Chris about this, uh, the vision that, that he gave the father. And she said, I'm going to tell my, my sister because she's on the line now. And I know that that will push her towards Jesus. His life made a difference. You see, we can think, okay, you know, we're born. And why, why do we go through such hardship? And why do we go through such pain? And why do we have to wait so long? God has a plan. Just get on with Jesus and you were born for this. Move now. Move with Jesus. The Bible says in Psalm, David says this in Psalm, Psalm 39. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. He says, you formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my, un, my, my substance being yet unformed. So even at the very, very youngest stage where there's no body yet, just the cells multiplying in the mother's room. And then he says, And in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me. God had a book. And while the cells were multiplying in the mother, and not even having a form of a child yet, God had written all the days of that life, written down in his book. He has a plan. If you're breathing now, it's because he determined you would be alive now. He has a job for you to do. You were born for this moment. You were born for this time. You're born to move for God. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 to 6, and Paul says the same thing. You know, Paul, he wasn't born a Christian. He was born a re- religious Jew. And, and, and his life was one, of, right up until his conversion, was one of hostility towards the church and hostility towards Jesus. So you don't have to be born a Christian. I'm not talking about being born a Christian. I'm talking about God's wisdom in selecting your life to where you are right now. You may have gone through some misery to get here. You may have gone through a lot of sinfulness to get here. You may have been atheistic. You may have been agnostic. You may have been humanist. You may have been something else. But God has brought you here for this time. You look at what Paul says. He says, But when God who set me apart from my mother's womb, here's this idea again, from my mother's womb, God had a plan from my mother's womb. I was born for a reason. I have a purpose in life. Here it is. Again, even though he went through and persecuted the church, he recognizes God had his hand on him right at the very beginning. He was born for this. He said, he set me apart from my mother's womb, called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not consult with flesh and blood. He says, I didn't go and talk with everybody. He says, I know I've been called from God to do this thing, right from my mother's womb. And in the book of Acts, we read these words. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on, the, on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. So God determines where you would be living. 
He determines the suburb in which you'll be living. I mean, some of you might feel a little bit, I feel uneasy about where I am in my living conditions. Some of you might not have stable living conditions. Listen, God determines that. You might feel insecure, but God determines that. He has a plan. And he says, it's God who determines where they would live and the habitations of their, and the boundaries of their li- He determined that you would be in Australia now, Brian. In his present understanding, he set that up. And even when you thought that China was going to be my, my abode until I, I couldn't see anything out of it, he knew that you would be here today. He knew that the habitations, the boundary of your habitations would change. He knew that. In his eternity, he knew that. Some of you guys from Africa, he knew exactly, all of you guys from Africa, he knew that you would be here today. He knew that you would be in Australia. He knows those things. And he determines those things. He determines where you are and why you're living there. He says that they would seek God. If perhaps they, should, they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. God is in control of every situation. You know, as you give your life to him, he says it very clearly in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared, when? Beforehand. Beforehand. Before there was any of those good works. Before there was anything mighty that you've done. God determined beforehand that you should walk in them. He had them there. He, he knows them there. Just look at you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've got some things to do. I've got some things to do. Say it again. Jesus appointed me for this day. I have some things to do. Some good works to do. Paul says to this, in Philippians chapter 3, he says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Slow that down now. Why did you get saved? Why did you get saved? Why did the Holy Spirit, take hold of you and keep you now and keep you alive and bring you to this place. Why did he do that? So that you could do his work. He's prepared something. He says, Paul says, I, I, haven't, I haven't reached it all yet. He says, but I'm striving to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me for. He's got a plan. I was born for this. He has a plan. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, he says. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead. Friends, half the reason why we don't get on with it is because we don't forget. Seriously, forget. I mean, I can sit down and I can tell you all the failures that I've had in the last week, in the last year, in the last 10 years. 
I can sit down. In fact, one, one day last week, I, I, I got myself all depressed and I just jumped in the car and went for a drive because I felt like an absolute failure in everything I'd ever done. That, that bad. Complete failure. In fact, I couldn't actually see anything that I'd effectively done that was you know, easily could be said was good. You know, I just think, no, just a failure. Such a pervading mindset. You know what? Of course, and they use the past to determine the future. Well, the devil knows that. He knows your past because he's the one who caused you to stumble. He's the one who set it up in front of you. He's the one who misguided you. He's the one who deceived you. He's the one who set, you, set himself against you to stop you from achieving God's purposes. So he knows all about the past. And so he just comes and still talks to you about it. Hey, let me tell you about the past. Let me tell you about the reasons why you can't achieve what you need to achieve for God. Let me tell you about it. And so he just tells you about it. And you have to seriously forget the past if you are going to move forward. So when do you want to forget the past? What, tomorrow? The next day? Do you want to keep on going over the past for another three days? Maybe five days? Maybe in a year's time we can forget the past. When are you going to forget the past? You know the time to forget the past is right now. What happened this morning? The bus busted. I was outside your own place and it stopped. Forget the past. I could have got seriously frustrated. I could have got upset. I could have kicked the bus. I thought, yeah, bus, boom. It couldn't do it. Forget it. It doesn't matter. There was, a, there was a purpose and a plan. God worketh all things to the counsel of his own will. He said it in his word. I've got to believe it. God determines the future and he wants me to live with him into the future. So I have to forget the past and look at the future and say, Jesus, I've got my eyes on you. I was born for this. Whatever it is I was born for, everything in the past is going to, is going to make me, fashion me and, and, and equip me for the future. I'm going on now to do what God has called me to do. Amen? Anything that would undermine you, you just forget it. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 43. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, watch out, he's going to do a new thing. Look at each other. It takes faith to believe this. It takes faith to believe this because the habit, the habit of failure tells you that if you keep on trying, it's going to keep on failing. You need to forget the past. Get your eyes on the one who controls it. Get your eyes on Jesus who's determined your life to be here at this time. Get your eyes on Jesus, the one who called you before you were born, who set it apart for you before you were born, and say, he's going to do a new thing in me. And every day is a new and living way that we walk in. Amen? It's time to forget. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. When? When shall it spring forth? Right now, that's where we're meant to be living. Now faith is, the Bible says. The faith says now is. You, you, look, what, do you want to just get un, upset and just get depressed and stay depressed? Stop it right now. Shift it. I was born for this. Stand up in yourself and say, I'm moving forward in Jesus. Now is the time. No, yes, that's the one. I'm moving forward in Jesus. That's great, Natalie. You need to go there. 
You seriously need to get that, shake it out of your system. Because the devil wants to put you in a rut and keep you in the rut and hold you down there and say, you can't achieve anything. You can't do anything. And you were born for success in Jesus. You were born to do the work of God. You were born for this. You've got the God inside of you. You've got the Holy Spirit equipping you. You've got his voice speaking to you. You can't fail when you've got Jesus on the inside. Only the devil will try and stop you. And you need to shake it off. And when? Now. Now is the time. Shake it off. So let's stand up. Jesus is going to make a, a road in the wilderness. He's going to make a way for us. We're going to be at a place where God is going to move us forward. A new thing has begun. A new thing has begun. A new thing has begun. I don't know where we were, but we are not there any longer. A new thing has begun. And we were born for this. Amen? We were born for this. Close your eyes. Now there's some people here who have been kicked and kicked all week. And the devil's telling them they can't move. They're locked into their circumstances and their circumstances are so confining that they have no way out. That's the biggest lie I've heard. Joseph was locked into a jail. No way out. But he had God. And even the jail was God's determination for his future. He was born for it. God told him at an early age, and even the jail couldn't stop it. You might be living in a prison. You might feel like you're in a prison this morning. You might feel like the, the bars are right in front, and there are no doors and no windows. I want to tell you something. That's a prison that Jesus set up. Why? Because he's going to take you to a new place. He's going to take you to a new place. You need to recognize that. Shake off the despair. Shake off the sadness. Shake off the hopelessness. Shake it all off. Shake it off now. Because now is the day of a new beginning. Grasp it by faith in Jesus' name. Father, I pray. Raise your hand if that's you. If you've been feeling that sadness, you're locked in a, in a place and you can't get out of it. Raise your hand and ask Jesus right now. God, give me a vision. Give me a vision of what you plan to do. Father, I ask right now for those who raise their hands, Lord, that you would speak so very powerfully into their lives this week. Lord, that they would remember even this situation, this circumstance is not, Lord, the end of the exercise. That is the beginning of a new direction for their lives, Father. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would minister strength to them now in Jesus' name. That faith would rise in their hearts, Father. That they would recognize that you have been, they have been born, Lord Jesus, for this day. And that you will lead them on to achieve great things in their lives, Father. Lord, I, I bind every work of the enemy and the deceptions that he brings onto these minds, Father. We take authority over it in the name of Jesus and we bind that wall of thoughts, Father, that comes and cascades in on their lives to bring them into depression, Father. We bind it in Jesus' name and we loose them to the work of your Holy Spirit to bring life and liberty to them now in Jesus' name. Lord, and we release them to you, Father. Lord, may we all just grasp this new thing that you're doing in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Great. God bless you.